Hello, and welcome to the Ecommerce Source Podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff. I'm here, as always, with my friend and business partner, Tim McDougall. Tim, how are you today? Doing good. Ready to talk about local ads, which we have not talked about before on this podcast. So, You bet. You bet. And for that, we have the one, the only, Ted Loesch. Ted, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, I think people will know us as, you know, as 50 pound bows and we, we do primarily e-commerce marketing, selling physical products and, uh, through Shopify stores, through Amazon marketplaces, things like that. Uh, but we also work with some, uh, clients of ours that actually sell into local markets. And so old fashioned, oldie timey brick and mortar, actual physical stores, Andy, what kind yes, of crazy world is yes. this? Right. But yeah, we, do, we have some clients yeah. that's where their business is. And Ted is an expert on local ads. Ted's well before he joined 50 Pound Bosun too, right? I love running local ads. Uh, I think it's an incredibly powerful tool. If you have a brick and mortar store, you got to be using them. Because uh, if you're not, your competitors are. And that's really the nature of this podcast. I like, Ted, how you first responded to my question by nodding. And then we, I was going <laughs> to say, people can't see you nod. But, <laughs> but then you provided a really good answer. So... Um, one day, one day, Tim, this will be a video podcast. Yes, and then the Maybe nods soon. will be great. Then the nods Maybe will work. Soon. But you'll have to nod and say yes at the same time for those that are still listening to audio only. But on this, we well, have... Everyone can see my really cool tapestry back here someday maybe yeah ted's got his like cool like indian kama sutra rainbowy thing whatever it is behind him that's going on so very spiritual as we talk about local ads here pink floyd isn't it the pink floyd album cover pink floyd the rainbow is but the rest of the background is something something else it's kind of a combination vibes all the way yeah (laughs) um but what, what ted has put together here is kind of Eight. We've kept it to eight, although there's many more things we could talk about about local ads, right? But you've had kind of here's your here's your key eight guidelines to doing really good local ads for a local business. Yes, uh, and it's where we should start, and all of the things that are going to make it successful. Because if we're not doing all of these things, the campaign probably isn't going to work as well as you want it to. So checking off all of these bases and there's plenty more we might do another podcast on that later but these are kind of the basics to getting started you have a local business you want to run on google ads you're trying to get more exposure these are the places to start and and i'm i'm eager for this one ted because it lets us talk about some of the one of the weird experiments we did um and we'll it'll come up in the topics here but one of the we do a lot of oddball weird experiments that we don't get a chance to kind of talk about a lot but this this highlights one of our oddball weird experiments that was a lot of fun and we can use an example for a lot of your points in here and that'll become clear what it is as we get into it ted do you want to kick off the first point then sure um so first thing when we're talking about local advertising uh particularly on google ads is going to be specific laser targeted keywords let's keep it simple People know what they're looking for, and we need to be in that number one spot is generally where we want to be. If we're trying to be a little bit more efficient with our ad spend, maybe we want to be in number two or number three placement, but we want to be at the top of those search results. To me, one of the most important things that you can do... And you're talking very specific, so yeah, go ahead, Ted. ...is protect your brand. 
people are searching for your brand, if you're not bidding on those keywords, your competitors probably are. So if you are a mattress store or you, uh, you're a tattoo shop, you're a restaurant, you're a heating and cooling company, if you're not bidding on those keywords for your brands, your competitors probably will. And we do that all the time. And we find that to be an, a very effective way of advertising. And you're talking, find- Ted, you're not just your brand, but your product too, right? So your top things that you would put are, it's pretty simple. It's not like rocket science on this, but it's, you put your brand name in there. You would also put what you sell. So if you're a mattress company, you put mattress in there. If you're a tattoo shop, you'd make sure you put tattoo in there. And then you'd put either near, you'd bid on near me and you'd also bid on like the city name, right? So if it's, we live in the great thriving tech metropolis of Cedar Rapids, Iowa here. So it'd be tattoo shops, Cedar Rapids, for example. Sure. Right? And that is second. Yeah. And that's secondary to me is so the the first priority is making sure that and we do a lot of competitive research when we start working with local clients is someone bidding on your brand name and they're showing up before you are. And then secondarily is then when we look at non-branded keywords like tattoo shop near me and things that don't have anything to do with your brand, we want someone to discover your brand. Can we talk about our our weird test that we did that was actually out in the wild? So, and this goes back to Ted, when I first met you, right? When you were joining 50 Pound Bozen and you were introduced to me as a, as a Google ad savant. Um, and then we, you started, you started boasting that if you wanted to, and this is based on some past stuff you had actually done in other, in other markets, in other cities, um, that if you wanted to own a certain service term, then you knew how to actually own that. We started talking about heating and cooling, like HVAC services. And your brag was, yeah, give, give you the runway, give you the permission to go buy the right URLs and do the right things. And you could own all the heating and cooling leads in Cedar Rapids within a month is what you what you boasted about when we and this is over beers so part of that might have been the beers firing right but that was your boast on it and then we met again with no beers and said go do it let's see if that actually works right and we pulled it off and and lo and behold it worked right <laughs> so <laughs> so as proof and this is just this was kind of a fun but and we we aren't a heating and cooling company right we were just gathering all the, we were did a test see if we could gather all the leads and we got what the site you the site we grabbed was Cedar Rapids Heating and Cooling dot com. Nothing. We still own that. Um, it's not active, but we still own it. But we bought that URL. That was your guidance to buy that URL. And then we ran not not a lot of ads. We didn't spend a lot on ads for that. Um, but it was really easy to get to number. And then we we had some content. We you know worked with some VA services to build some content around that. So it was a real looking site. And what happened then, Ted? We got we got most of the leads in the city for a little while, right? <laughs> a lot of calls came in. Um, yes. And uh, we just didn't have anyone to go work those leads. Uh, but as far as generating leads, that seems to be uh, relatively rudimentary for us. But then it's always, you know, who's on the other side of the phone? And we've got that in the discussion guide after you know, a couple other topics. Yeah. yeah. And the, and yeah, and the funny thing there, the end to that story was we started gathering a ton. We didn't keep it up very long. We gathered a ton of leads and then we started calling the heating and cooling companies, right. To see if they wanted those leads or if they'd pay us for those leads. And the end result was most of them said, nah, we're busy enough. We don't, we don't have any more room for work. So our insight then was 
hey, to make that business work, we probably need to hire heating and cooling people because uh, there's a shortage of them in our market and all the heating and cooling companies that exist already have more leads than they can handle. But we were getting tons. We were, we, you compared, right? You, we met with some of them and you and Casey met with some of them and it was, we were getting far more leads than they were getting. And some of them, they were good leads too, right? They were, I will pay anything you want. I just need somebody to come by and fix my air conditioning now. It was that kind of, it was those kinds of leads, right? Those are, mm-hmm. those are high quality leads when you get them. And yeah, we're, we're the business. So that the test case on Google ads proved everything you were boasting about over beer. So they were, they were not hollow boasts. They were, they were good and proven. And then, yeah, it ended up being just an intellectual test on it because there was no real business model to follow unless we wanted to, we did debate, should we go get, should we go train as heating and cooling people? Cause there's obviously a lot of business to be had, but in the end decided to stick with what we were doing and, we would have had to hire yeah we would have had to start an hvac company and hire technicians to go do this work which probably would have been really profitable but that's just not the base of our business we generally want to generate leads and have an established business work those leads Mm -hmm. a little bit not not adjacent to our core business (laughs) yeah it was a fun idea we want to generate leads for businesses that already exist. Uh, we're not yeah. really in the business of creating new businesses. So we shut down our over a beer. This would be a fun thing to go try test after a month or two um, and yeah. let all the leads go to where they normally go. But yeah, that was so, but that was, that was my lesson, Ted, that you taught me on that about just get like, get the URL with your product type and the city name on it and that alone and put a little content behind it and start building that out and then run ads to that. Just because be, having just, and I'm getting back to your point about, hey, be super, keep it simple at first, get super laser targeted, the right keywords, but just your product name and your city name in a URL gives you a ton of authority. And the test showed that that worked. Like that seems, it, it seems worked. so simple, but it, it worked, right? And then you're thinking about keyword density where you just need to have your city name contextually it's got to be readable google's algorithms are smart enough that you can't just spam the keyword it has to be readable good content and uh in some instances it really just is that simple yeah and Uh, you you produced a couple good pieces of content for that so we had legit content on that site um Mm -hmm. but yeah so getting back to the main point here uh, you know going off to the fun aside it was you know your first your first guideline is laser target on your keywords keep it simple it's brand, it's product, it's near me, things like that. City name kind of, you said city name is kind of secondary because it's secondary in how people search. They usually search for near me, um, but just pull those in. So that's kind of, that's one. Ted's guidelines, number two, Ted. So number two is landing pages. Where are we sending this traffic? And what are our goals when we send traffic there? So what do we want the user to do What's the content on that page? Do we want someone to make a phone call? Are they requesting directions? Are they trying to find out if there's a particular product that's in stock at their local location? Trying to fill out contacts or request forms? Or are we trying to get them to sell something right then and there that's going to get delivered locally? Something like a mattress store would be a perfect example of that where we're selling something right on the site it's local and then they're going to deliver it locally so having 
that in mind is incredibly important. We can target all the right keywords. Our ads can look fantastic. But if they land on a website that doesn't show them what they want to see, then they're just going to bounce. They're going to go somewhere else. And by bounce, for anyone who isn't familiar with that term, it just means someone gets to a page, they don't like what they see, they just go somewhere else. Close the tab. So what what is the most common mistake here, Ted, when we encounter this? Is it somebody who has too much stuff on the page? It's somebody who has just a homepage, but you got to hunt around and go through menus to figure out how to make a phone call or request directions? Or is it too much stuff? Is it not the right stuff? Is it is it the right thing that matches the the thing that matches the ad is not on that page? What's the normal? What do we normally see as the the gap? The critical error is a lack of call to action. So someone gets to that page and they don't know what to do. They're just looking at a bunch of texts. They're looking at pictures. There's nothing to click on. There's no phone numbers. There's no chat function. They just land on a page. It's got words. But what are they supposed to do next? It's got words. That That's our is, pull quote. They land words. on a page. It's got words. <laughs> they land on a page and it's got words. Uh, and there's like nothing to do. There's no interactivity with that page. Yeah. So, so that's. So said in this, it's when they get there, you want the user action that you want them to take to be super clear, like super clear and super obvious. Right. And what they came there for. So you want. If they call responding to an ad that says, you know, book an appointment, you want the page to appear and there to be an appointment booking tool right there. There's a calendar right, right there. Yeah. It says when they're, this person is mm -hmm. available, all you have to do is click on that calendar and book an appointment and boom, you're done. Yeah. You know, uh, the less friction, the better. We want to, you know, the user needs to have the path of least resistance if we want them to actually convert. Yeah. We want them to actually do something. It needs to be easy and quick and concise. And so, oftentimes what we find, right, is like the very simple things that are like, oftentimes people go to the site first when they look at those ads and say, okay, where are you and when are you open? Like that's super simple. The amount of times we look at a local business and realize that's not anywhere on the front page that people come to. And it's like, and it's a, you know, it's everything on the front page is beautiful. It looks super nice. There's lots of great information about the business and lots of great pictures, but there's not directions, hours, um, you know, simple things like that. That's I think just a point, a point on that might be is like, are we using a landing page or are we using the homepage or are we using the contact us page? Because when I think of a landing page, I think of a page that's specifically built to receive traffic. Yes. And I think this is where some, people that at least, you know, Ted and I, when we've worked on this is like people get caught up on is like, oh, how do I create these specific landing pages? Um, and it's like, well, okay, that's what we can, we can help with is making sure that those landing pages are, it's an actual landing page. You're not just sending traffic to the homepage, which can be helpful, but uh, you know, it's, it's uh, well thought out and strategic where you're sending that traffic. Yeah. And you can send traffic to the homepage if you set the homepage up to receive the action, right? And make the action obvious. But a lot of times the homepage is set up more of a brochure uh, for people. Like here's the pretty pictures, here's things that represent as well. The action part is kind of viewed as dirty. Um, and uh, that's what needs to be front. Cause I think Ted in phrasing it differently at what you said, when consumers click on an ad, they click on it because they have an intent to take an action. You got to make that action as obvious and easy as possible. And that's, and consumers appreciate that. It's not viewed as like cheap and too salesy. It's if they clicked on the ad coming to get something done, 
help them get it done. Uh, is what it comes down to in that. Yes. And that landing page just needs to be very specific to what the ad copy was. You clicked on a President's Day sale. You need to land on a landing page that describes what the President's Day, uh, President's Day sale is. And if you don't land on that page, you just don't have any relevant content there. Yeah. And we, and we see that a lot, right? Of here's a bunch of different ads. They all go to the homepage or they all go to this one page. And the ads all have different calls to action on them and they don't match what the. We need to have specific information that is contextual to the ad copy. Okay, so, so that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, then as we kind of move a little bit faster through this, they need to feel confident that they're in the right place. Again, it's that the ad copy reflects what the landing page says um, and vice versa. An A-plus landing page is going to make all the difference when it comes to advertising. If you've got a phenomenal landing page, it's just going to make your ads so much more efficient. It it really is worth all of the time to make sure that whatever videos, images, content, written, uh, or audio is all just set up properly to make sure that we're going to improve our actions from that page. Conversion tracking and goals is what I wanted to move on to next. And can I just add one thing before we move on to that, Ted? Because on landing pages, sure. um, one thing we often find is that everybody and to the kind of to people who've been doing a lot of local ads for a long time or e-commerce for a long time, though this will be basic. But for a lot of times when we run into businesses, it's everything. All the focus on metrics and wanting to see stuff is what happens with the ad, like what happens to get to the click, and then what happens after the click is kind of like, yeah, of course they're on our site now; they're going to buy. But after the click is usually two thirds of the battle is after the click. I mean, that's where you can make up, you know, I usually like that's getting the click. We know how to do that. That's really important. But what happens after they click is oftentimes more important to getting that final conversion than what happens in the ad. The ads are the showy part that gets the attention. But what happens post is really important. I think it's what you're hitting on here. Um, and Absolutely. oftentimes we have to kind of reset like, yes, we know our responsibility is running the ads and we got to get things in there. We're not trying to dodge responsibility at all, but we have to have the hard talk of what happens on the site is going to depend how good those clicks, how effective those clicks are. But you're getting on to number three, which is conversion tracking and goals. You're right, Ted. Yes. So particularly with local ads and just local businesses, Um, it's going to come down to who's on the other side of the phone, who's on the other side of the chat function, those things, because we can drive chat functions and calls, but who's really there? And we can track that someone clicked the call button, someone clicked for directions, but is there someone at the store? Is there someone to answer that call? Is there someone to answer that chat? And then just... Yeah, really measuring what's truly important and meaningful to that business in particular. So with a tattoo shop, someone answers the call. They set an appointment, someone comes in. If we're talking more of lawn care, then someone is going to call, set an appointment, someone's going to come out and do an assessment, so on and so forth. There can be a lot of different ways that that call gets answered and a lot of different ways that from the business perspective, that that's going to be a valuable call. 
we're just tracking from the ad side. We got 10 clicks. We got three calls. That's good. 30%. It's a solid conversion rate. So those are the things that we can track. And then, you know, the rest of it's on the local business to make sure to convert that into something that's actually valuable. Yeah. So it's all about working with them to make sure the things that can't be, there's certain things we can automatically track from a digital standpoint, certain things we can't like, okay, was the call a good call? Did it result in an appointment? Um, mm-hmm. A lot of our, a lot of the times what we're spending time doing is working with our, the business we're working with to try and say, okay, how are we going to, this is a great goal to get actual appointments. Who's going to mark down whether this call resulted in an appointment or not? And mm-hmm. where is that going to be shared so that we can actually know what it is and know it in real time, not something that, um, and Andy, you and I've worked on a couple of these too, where it's like, Hey, which, which of these calls actually converted? Well, somebody starts going back to three months of sales data. I think this one did. And I don't it, like, we've been through that and it's, it's not that helpful. You can't do many changes to what you're doing that way. Yeah. But how does it get recorded yeah, in real time and shared? That's the, one of the biggest takeaways is just the collaboration that needs to take place between the people that are running the ads and the people that are, you know, fielding the inquiries and calls because, you know, if you answer the phone call right away, you have a much better chance of uh, converting them to a to a lead. Or if they yeah. submit a form and you respond to them within minutes instead of hours, uh, you probably are going to have a better chance of getting them to to yes. to make that conversion. And so, there's like you said, Tim, the the digital conversions are great, uh, but the ultimate business metrics are the ones that you know we want to tie back to as well. And this is where, and I think Ted, you were getting, you thought this was a light point. This, this is a very deep point to me because we're getting into, there's the digital space. And I think this is where a lot of people fall down when they do digital marketing for a physical business. Cause there's the digital tracking, which we can do. We can set that up all the time, right? It's complicated, but we know how to do it. Then there's the stuff that happens in meat space. That's not automatic. Um, that is okay. Somebody actually got to put down that this, how would this call went? Somebody's actually got to go to a spreadsheet and say the result of this call was X. Uh, and enter that in there. There has to be a human action that's not totally automated. And that's, you know, it's not that hard to do, but it does take somebody focusing on doing it on time. So it's, it's just working out how that happens and it's, and it's, it's messier, right? But without it, you don't get there. And that's, I think that's a big gap between selling things like on Amazon where everything, all the data we need is automated and kind of sent back to us in a dashboard and working with a local business where there's, there, there's human action that needs to fill the gap because uh, it's not it's not all automatically recorded. There's stuff that happens on the call, whatever else that we need to know, uh, or that the business needs to know, so we can act, so we can improve results over time. And that gets missed a lot. It's I mean, in our it seems obvious, but in our experience, right? And and I'm, I'm referring like like one you and I will know about that we were working on recently. That seems oh, super yeah. simple, but it was what actually just kind of was the big impediment to making that business work is that getting that kind of the results of this, there was, it ended up being emotional debates around, well, do, do the clicks from the website do better than the, than the search ads to this, you know, which you really couldn't tell anymore what marketing channel was getting. You could tell what got the most clicks. You couldn't tell what got the most results because the results weren't being accurately recorded and tied back. And it ended up becoming every debate on how to make the marketing better became a, my gut says this, as opposed to a, let's look at the data. And that ended up just being something that just didn't work, right? As much as we liked all the people involved, but it couldn't work that way. Yeah. And and I think you're also getting to an, a point around attribution, right? Is that um, 
you know, Ted, you made the point right off the top of the bat is that we want to protect our brand. We want to target our branded terms right away. And in a lot of cases, those clicks, calls, et cetera, might make it to our website and convert, right? It's, it's possible, right? But if you're in a competitive you know, industry or market, uh, it's possible that they, they might not as well. So um, yeah, I think is, is the attribution, does that come back to a paid ad? Does it come to, to organic uh, and things like that as well? Because uh, you know, we're tracking, tracking these conversions um, you know, digitally, it's, um, you know, it, it's definitely part of the conversation because so many of the times people, oh, well, this was going to come through anyway or, or whatever. But it's like, well, we, we have metrics that say they clicked on the ad and they, and they placed a call. So those we have to, we have to optimize to those and get those as, uh, get those actions as efficiently as possible. So I, yes, yeah, that's exactly right. Because if we're sending calls, People are requesting directions. People are filling out contact forms. Who's responding to those? If we're talking about the Google My Business page, someone posts a comment. They're asking a question. Who's responding to that? It needs to happen right away. So I really think what we're talking about is just being fast. We got to be fast with that. Um, someone needs to answer that call. Someone needs to answer that question immediately. We can track the conversions. We can say that we sent a call. But who's on the other side of that and how fast are they moving? Because that really, at the end of the day, with local ads campaigns, that's what's going to make it effective. That's what's going to have an impact on your business. That's how you're going to set more appointments. That's how you're going to gain new clients. So we can send traffic all day. That's not a problem. Uh, But we need to make sure that someone's actually responding. Ted, number four. When we're when we're big and famous, have millions of listeners. We'll have sound effects for these. We'll have number four, and it'll whiz into the podcast. But Boom. number four is location based targeting, Ted. So, what's what's the quick highlights on location based targeting? Yeah, we can move pretty fast through the rest of this. Uh, I know we're running out of time. Uh, location extensions. That is going to be connecting your Google My Business page with your ads. Super important. Call extensions, that's going to be when someone sees your ad and they can click on it and boom, they're calling you. Um, Site link extensions is where we're thinking about sending people to specific pages with specific information. We get a little bit of context uh, in the ad to let them know, you know, they might not want to click on that main ad. They might want to go to the president's sales page or something more specific to what they're searching for other than just landing on your homepage. So those are really useful. And then what is our target radius in our cities that we're targeting? That to me is paramount. If you have a location in Memphis and you have a location in Temecula, California, you want to make sure that you're targeting the specific radiuses and that those ads are reflecting which locations those are in and then we're sending them to the correct landing pages again and it's so also always coming back to landing yeah. pages and ad copy and making sure that it, that the two reflect each other but on radius it's important to know that different businesses right have different radiuses they put because a, a mexican restaurant may only pull from five miles away that's you know yep. that's not a typical restaurants they pull from within a couple miles but if you're a car dealer you're pulling from an hour away sometimes or a 30 minute drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
different types of businesses. And it's usually the more you're paying and the longer the consideration on it, you know, mattresses would be somewhere in between. Getting and a, what's getting your a, free, yeah, what's your free delivery radius? Is it 60 miles? Is it 120 miles? How far are you delivering to that? You know, we can run ads 120 miles uh, away and you'll still do free delivery. So those are all the things that we want to take into consideration there. Now, Ted, uh, you mentioned already, here, you mentioned let me say, location extensions, call extensions, and site leaking extensions. If people don't know where that is, where do they go to find out more about what those things are? So you would go to the Google Ads support and just kind of look up what how, the different ways of building those out. Those are considered ad assets within the ad dashboard. And they're very easy to build. Generally, as you're building out a Google Ads campaign, it's going to recommend that you add those things, um, especially with some of the new updates. So that's right. They're, they're uh, all things within the ads within the ads manager for Google Ads. It's not we're not saying, hey, go out and buy a separate extension, right? So yeah, and it takes time, takes thought. There's a lot that goes into that, making sure that you're sending everything right where you want it to be. Everything's worded properly. Generally takes us quite some time to get some of those things approved. Uh, so just kind of blasting through some of the rest of these. So let's topics. let's go. Let's go. Yeah, it's Ted's. It's Ted's talk here. So Ted's talk number five. Mm. See what I did there, but number five, Ted. <laughs> ads that reflect are the terrible dad joke. Ads that reflect <laughs> our target terrible. location. I'll just sell. All I'll right. own it. I'll just self admit it. Um, and and deflect some of the damage that way, but. Number five, Ted, is ads that reflect our target location. Yes. And I think we've covered that pretty well already. It was kind of baked into some of the other topics. Just making sure that your ad copy reflects the location that you're targeting. We've got free delivery to Iowa City and Coralville. And you're targeting Iowa City and Coralville. It seems rudimentary and simple, but... You'd be surprised how often sometimes people miss those things. I'm not surprised because um, I often click on things that have no relevance to the location I'm on. So, yeah. Well, and I think the other aspect of this is just showing local knowledge. Like in Cedar Rapids, <clears throat> we're on a quadrant system, northeast, northwest, southwest, southeast. So if you say we're on the southwest side, that's meaningful to somebody in that local market who's searching for that thing. Um, so those types of little things that show that you know that are, are good for a lot of reasons, but mostly because the big national players that might be advertising in your market are not going to have that in their ad copy. And so that becomes a, uh, you know, something in the ad copy that's reflecting your knowledge of the location and, and expertise. Makes it feel a little more rural. Yeah. It's a confidence builder is what you said, right? So if you have that kind of information, it's just a confidence builder in the, how, how the consumer views the ad and things that build confidence in the ad being legit and real. Always, it sounds silly, but it, that always increases the click rate and how well it goes through. Just feels more genuine. Yeah, just feels more genuine. Um, and I think that that's a good thing. If you say something like located across the street from Walmart, if it's a small town, everybody knows where Walmart's at, or it's across the street from Albertsons or Hy-Vee, then that across the street from Dairy Queen. Does that work, Ted, for a small yeah. town? <laughs> there you go. I spent a yeah, lot of time growing gonna, up in Texas across where, where it is relative to the Dairy Queen was always highly relevant if you're talking small town Texas. So let's people know where it's at. There's the Dairy Queen. Oh, so it's across the street from Perfect. Dairy Queen. Great. Like a left You'll be in our parking lot. Yes. So what the next one, Ted, and so the next one's a very, uh, this is one that's 
seems very obvious, but has not been when we work at business a lot. Answering calls, Ted. Yes. There might be a lot of calls that are coming in. When we start building out local ads, maybe you haven't been running local ads for a while. We boot these up with a pretty healthy budget. Then there might be a lot of calls coming in. And we've seen this happen multiple times where we don't have someone to field as many calls as they maybe thought were going to come in. And we need people answering uh, those calls. So who's answering the call? Are we trying to make a sale? Are we trying to set an appointment, provide directions? Some people still do that. Uh, oddly enough, we've seen that. And uh, make yeah, just making sure that someone's available to answer those calls and that they have all of the answers based on the advertising that we've done. We could be running Facebook ads that mention a specific sale or a specific deal or an event. Uh, events are a big one. So there's two that, things here, Ted, that you've you told me about this that, and we've seen happen, right? It's one, if you, somebody answers the call live, your chances of getting them to either make the appointment, make the sale, whatever, are much better than if you go to voicemail. And so we've seen a lot of, well, we'll drive calls and it all goes to voicemail and somebody gets a return call the day later or something like that. And that doesn't work so well. So it's, is somebody there to answer it live? And then what you're bringing up here is, is the person answering it live able to help the customer complete their task? You know, are they, or is it just somebody who says, I have to get you to somebody else. Let me take a message. Because anytime that happens, you've introduced a lot of friction and your chance of making the sale go way down, right? So it's live person who can complete the customer's task right then and there is what you want to have. And oftentimes, as common sense as that seems, that's what gets missed, right? Because it's nobody thought, hey, I need to have somebody on phone duty. Because when you're not running ads or not doing a lot of things, then the phone rings every once in a while. It's silly to have somebody sitting there to answer the phone once an hour. Um, that changes dramatically if we start pushing traffic to something like that, though. Hopefully, and that's a lot of responsibility for one person, but it's also like that can make the difference between your marketing and your advertising working and not working. So you so, can pour as much money into ads and marketing and radio as you want. You're giving someone this phone number. People are calling this phone number. Is that getting responded to immediately? Do they well, have the answers to the questions? Isn't it the same thing as what happens after the click? This is what happens after the call, right? If you're encouraging a call. So what happens after the ads can get the action, but then what happens after the action is oftentimes more critical to the sale or can do making that optimal is better. Should we go to number seven? Because it's, it's, it's in the same vein, right? Website chat functions. I think a lot of the same things apply here, right? Absolutely. So if someone is, they're just trying to chat and some people don't like to call. There's a lot of people mm -hmm. out there. They don't want to make that phone call. They just want to chat with someone real quick. They don't want to wait on holds. They, they just want to I'd ask rather a chat. question. I'm, a ch I, I, I'm one of the people who would rather chat than go on the phone. So yeah. I totally like to chat it. real quick. You can do other things in the background. You're not listening to annoying hold music. You're just waiting for someone to get back to you. But as we all know, you'll bounce pretty fast if no one gets back to you. You'll just go to the competitor or you'll write an email. You'll do something else. But that chat could result in so many different conversion actions like we talked about. That could be an appointment that got set. That could be a $2,000 tattoo that's coming into the door. That could be so many different things. And if you respond quickly, you're going to get better conversion rates. 
Well, we've seen this happen a lot, even on sites that aren't local sites, right? So one of our partners for a long time was a company who made children's playmats, so customized children's playmats. And we actually did studies on, hey, when, when he was able to respond to them in real time, which he couldn't always do, like he's, it's a small business. It was a, you know, it was a brother-sister team that ran it. And when he had the time to respond in real time to customers who said, hey, I'd like a mat and what colors can I get? The sales closed pretty fast when he got busy in some other things, which, which is going to happen. And, and, and we kind of looked together and said, okay, what are your close rates on when you respond in real time, when you respond within an hour, when you're responding later that evening? And the difference was dramatic, right? So if you're going to send people to chat, you need to have somebody to be able to man the chat to really optimize that. And Ted, also with this, you're, you're turning off ads when it's not hour, when the hours are not there, right? So if you know somebody's only going to be able there to pick up the phone between 8 and 5, you're making sure, or answer chat between 8 and 5, you're going to make sure the ads run in those timeframes yes. as well. Right? And we can set those. Sometimes people use automated chat functions Depending on the industry, depending on the website, sometimes those work well. It really depends on how much time you put into your automated responses. But generally, you're just going to have better conversion rates when the ads are, or pardon me, when the chats are being responded to by a human being. Human being in it's real time, like because when somebody more calls, interactive yeah. and yeah, when somebody responds to an ad, they want satisfaction quickly, and the longer you wait, the more they're willing to say, "I don't really need this, maybe so much." Um, Let's get to number eight. So number eight, to close it off, Ted, what's the big finale here? It's a pretty straight and simple one. It's ignored all the time, right? Yes. Google my business. Definitely spend your time making that look nice, responding to comments, making sure that your pictures are updated. The more active you are on your Google my business page, it sends signals to Google's algorithm that you are an active Google my business user. And they will give you preference over other people who are not. You want to be paying attention to your reviews. If you get a negative review, respond to that. Make sure that someone knows that you've acknowledged that. And how do we make this right? And how often, Ted, do we get people saying, does that really matter? I mean, because I, I hear this a lot, right? Google my business. Does that really matter? Does anybody ever use that? that? That's what I hear a lot from clients talking about this. What's your, what's your quick response? We may have just given your response, right? But. A, do you hear that, I guess? Yeah. It's huge. If you are a local pizza business, your local anything, Mexican food, tattoo shops, mechanics, you want to make sure that you're really active in responding to how people responded to your business in the first place. You also want to give them a good feel about where they're going. You can have different menu items. You can show them the interior of your restaurant. You can give them a little bit more information about the services that you provide. There's a ton of different ways that you can utilize Google My Business in all the right ways. And it's an incredibly powerful tool. The more you use it, the more attention Google is going to pay to it and the more powerful it becomes. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, the campaigns that we've run uh, for our clients around local and using Google My Business. You know, when we started uh, having them do Google My Business review initiatives, whether that was asking for a Google My Business review at checkout or doing follow-up emails and, and asking for Google My Business reviews or things like that, that 
that does have a positive impact on your ads because you you have more five star reviews behind your business. It helps just uh, people come into your business condition that they're going to have a good experience. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there, uh, Ted. Google My Business is a is kind of a you know maybe an overlooked aspect of running effective local ads. And I think having a good picture of your storefront is really important as well. Because we've run into that before where it's an outdated storefront. Maybe they got a new sign. They got new signage. They painted it. Yes. Maybe they relocated from from one location to another and those images didn't get updated. That is just going to confuse people about where they're going. And then lastly, I'll say telling people where to park. If it's a downtown area and people just don't even know where to park. So they found your location. Where are they supposed to be parking like to actually get there? That's a big one too. So tons of information that you can pack into a, a Google My Business page that I think is just really useful for people to find your business because that's really what the end goal is. You know, and I'm saying I get eye rolls sometimes on Google My Business because people will, like a business owner will say, that stuff's so obvious. Like nobody, everybody knows that stuff about us. And, and had the conversation a couple of times saying, no, you know it because you're here every day. but but you know you occupy like one tenth of one tenth of one tenth of a percent of your customers' brain space and your and prospective customers that are new. This stuff does matter to them, um, and it's you know once once people come around to it, they come around to it. The other reason to do good work on Google My Business and get reviews is because uh, the other reason I get eye roll sometimes is bad things can happen on Google My Business too. So you can have a disgruntled employee. We've seen this a couple times, right? Go and try and just plaster it with negative reviews and try and tank you there. So the more good work you've done up front, the more you can withstand those kind of things that happen and hate to see any of those happen. But we've been through a couple of those, right? With, with, with customers of ours, partners of ours, where somebody decides to attack them and it's hard to get the negative stuff removed. But if you have it, the best way to fight is to have a lot of positive stuff already there um, sometimes. And that'll give you time to kind of work through Google and say, Hey, this is one disgruntled person doing this and we need to get this back off. So it doesn't. That's an excellent point because that Google My Business page is likely going to get created with or without you. So if you don't go in and claim that page and claim your ownership of it, then that is just going to run rampant without your control whatsoever. Well, then all you're going to have is the negatives on there, right? If you don't work it, you're only going to have the negatives, not going to have the positives. So working it to have the positives. And hopefully all you have are positives on there. But if there is the occasional negative that comes through or somebody that is disgruntled or has an axe to grind, you can withstand, you're much more robust and can withstand that better if you've done the right things up front on that. Anyone can create a page. You can just say, this is a new restaurant in this area. Add it to Google Maps, but no one owns it. So it's not until you gain ownership of that page that you can start claiming the narrative a little bit better. So yeah, just a good last point there. So is this, Ted, is this done your soul good to be able to talk in depth about Google local ads because we don't talk about it enough internally all the time? (laughs) It does feel good. I've got more to say and we ran out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we appreciate you being on Ted and sharing this, sharing this knowledge with us and, and our audience here. Uh, Always good stuff. And as we kind of get the rest of the, you know, your thoughts and, maybe uh, advanced strategies for for uh, local targeting we can uh, come back to that an- another time but 
Thanks everyone uh, for joining us. Appreciate you listening and we will catch you again next time. Awesome. Awesome.